Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of Patrick Jones Baseball. On this episode, we have Josh Johnson. Josh is currently the associate head coach and recruiting coordinator at Mississippi State University for their softball program. Um, he's one of the most progressive minds in softball. Um, he's a pitching coach. Should we go really deep into pitching in this episode and uh, quite honestly talk a lot about things that you just don't hear very often from pitching coaches in across softball, the landscape at every level. Um, so, you know, Josh is as someone who, you know, is very intelligent, but he also works extremely hard. So he's put in a lot of time, a lot of research over the years. Um, you know, he got a, a degree in psychology. He's working on his PhD in, in biomechanics right now. And he's doing all this stuff while also being, uh, you know, a coach at Mississippi State for their softball program. So very impressive guy. There's going to be some great pieces of information that you can take away in this episode that will help you from a, a development standpoint as a softball pitcher or as a coach as well. Um, you know, Josh has a book out. It's called 10 to grow. I'm going to put that link below. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can click the link below. If you're listening to this, then you can just go and, and click the um, click the link in the show notes and it'll be there as well. So hope you enjoy this one. Um, you know, this is a, a fun episode. Again, you don't I don't often talk to you know someone who's so progressive in the softball world. So it's awesome to see that. And, you know, one of the, the exciting things that, you know, that I've been doing lately in, in the softball world is, you know, I've been creating a, a product um, for softball hitters. So if you head to patrickjonesbaseball.com slash softball put your name and email in and you will be get instant access when this course goes live so patrickjonesbaseball.com slash softball put your name and email in and i'll be coming out with my new softball hitters course very soon so check that out if you haven't already and um, we'll make sure to get out some great information to you as soon as possible so ladies and gentlemen here is now my episode with josh johnson All right, we are now live with Josh Johnson, who is the one of the associate head coach at Mississippi State University. Josh, thanks for coming on the show today. Hey, thanks for having me. So, you you know, I was doing some research on you. You've got a, you know, a really impressive background just from an educational standpoint. I saw, you know, you psychology major and then you got your master's in, in applied psychology, I believe working on biomechanics uh, degrees mm -hmm. now. Um, so I think it's cool that you're, you clearly, clearly value both, right? The, the mental side and then understanding how the body works and things like that. Um, and so my, my first question right off, right out of the gate is, you know, what, what are your thoughts on visualization and do you, do you like promote that to your players? Yeah. So um, when I was at Florida State doing sports psychology, one of the guys that uh, was one of my main professors was big on visualization and mental imagery and all this stuff. And my thing is that everything, everything we we definitely we do that here. Um, we have specific mindfulness uh, sessions, especially when we get to twenty hour weeks with the with the pitching staff, and and I walk kids through different mental imagery and stuff. I think um, just like anything, visualization and mental imagery has to be trained. Um, you know, it takes practice to get good at it. Some kids are really good at it right away. Other kids, it takes a while. 
but I think it has its place. And I think um, for me at the beginning, when I was working in the, the sports psychology realm, um, the, my professors were all about talking about the best performance and the best performance. But to me, I find the most valuable imagery and, and, um, and visualization sessions are about mitigating the problems we have. So, you know, instead of, instead of saying, Oh, this is my best swing or I threw that pitch perfectly. It's like, now you'll have those moments, but also working in there, bad things like, um, you know, say in picture visualiza visualization, you're, you're taking them through an at bat and then all of a sudden an error happens or they get smoked um, and allowing them to react in a, you know, fairly, um, you know, fairly easy environment, allowing them to react to, to, you know, problems and situations and research has shown that, um, you know, when you're doing visualiz visualization sessions, a lot of the emotions that you go through during um, the regular um, action, you know, happen during visualization. And sometimes it's a great way to kind of put the kids in a situation where there's a bit of stress and you've got to work your way out um, and, and learn how to cope and learn how to manage that situation. So I really like it for that. Um, there's, there's obviously a lot of different techniques and ways you can go. Um, but yeah. And we try to make it, it's more a part, I think during the, um, during the spring than is the fall in the fall, we're working more on the breath, um, goal setting, um, working more on developing some of the techniques of, of imagery, but also not really going into, okay, this is the game situation yet. We'll get there. We'll get there in the spring. I think that's a, a great way to put it. If you're kind of, if you're helping them uh, prepare to how to deal with failure, right? And you mentioned just, you know, like you said, having the pitcher is, you know, imagines that, you know, that, hey, just an air just happened behind me. Like, how do I, how do I not let that affect me going forward and, and preparing them for that, which I think so many times um, from like hitting pitching perspective, you know, we always just visualize the best thing, right? And we don't visualize what's, what is probably actually going to happen from time to time and making sure we're ready for that too. So I think that's a, mm -hmm. a great point. Um, you mentioned goal setting there. Um, wh what can you take us through like what you mean by goal setting for, for your players? Yeah. So um, I, I read a book called measure what matters and outside of the title, which explains it perfectly. Uh, the big point of the, the book is the goal setting process that Google and some other big uh, corporations use. But essentially, it's about um, objectives and key results. So your objective can be more of a uh, broad uh, idea, like I want to lower, I want to uh, be a better pitcher this year. But your key results are really what drives the process behind the, those goals. So in order for me to be a better pitcher, key result number one. I have to increase my spin rate by 100 RPMs. Key result number two, I need to command 60 plus percent strike rate. Key result. And so as you can tell, like the first one can be broad, wide open, which is I think where most kids, when they come into college, that's where they're setting their goals. Like, I want to be great. Okay, sweet. How are you going to do it? And the key results part where, where I really like it is the key results drive not only objectively measured things that you can that you know that we measure on a daily basis but then 
Um, but then also um, you're able to, you see, Hey, how did I do? So say we have a, a you know, typically um, in business, they do three month cycles. We try to do more like six week cycles. So half of the semester, half of the semester, um, that way you have four cycles. Um, but the idea is that at the end of it, you grade yourself. Hey, how did I do? Well, my spin rates, uh, up 50 RPMs. Okay, cool. That's a five out of 10. Uh, okay. My speed is up uh, two miles an hour. I wanted four. Okay. Well, that's five out of 10, um, you know, and, and down the road. So, so as you're, as you're hitting those goals, you can actually keep track of, okay. And actually quantify how good am I at, at my goals and my goal setting, you know, am I aiming too high? Am I aiming too low? And, you know, uh, the people at Google talk about, they want to be at about 70. They want to be about 70%. Um, so if you're, if you're hitting hundred percent of your goals, your goals are way too low. If you're, if you're like hitting a hitting 300 in your goal setting, you probably have way too high of expectations of, or goals. So it helps, it helps write the next set of goals. Plus it gives you an objective timeline. This is where it stops. What are we measuring? that kind of stuff. And, you know, going back to what measure what matters, if spin rate is important in that program, you know, it helps that the girls understand that they know where they want to go with it. Um, and that, that to me, that, that to me drives the process, which is of course what we want, right? We want to drive process. So um, I like that method. There's, there, there are a ton of other methods to goal setting that, that to me is my favorite. I like that because it, it, you know, you, you make a goal, but it also there's there's a plan that's built mm -hmm. within that goal, too, on, on how to actually get there. That's why I like about mm -hmm. it. And I think, you know, you had said earlier, you know, you, players come in like, oh, I want to be great. And then it's like, well, how are you going to get there? Right. I mean, you can't just, you know, will your way and not really have some type of plan. Um, and I think, yeah, that's you said measure what matters is the name of the book. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, the other thing too, I like to post them and that's the other, that's the other key component, okay. post them so everybody can see so that they're held accountable. And then beyond that, whenever it's a, a practice session and say, we're going through one of our more uh, volume baseball and I look over and I see a kid that's really not intentful about their command. And I go, Hey, don't you want to hit 65% strikes? Yeah. Well, are you working on that right now? No. Okay check back in and then you have a constant reminder of okay where is my where was and it's individual so where's my process and then you get other things like okay um player a wants to work on a rise ball player b is very good at her rise ball so she wants to work on her changeup. but player b goes hey show me how you're gripping your rise ball now you get collaboration too so they so they start to talk to one another about okay what what is it that um what is it that, you know, helps you throw your rise ball? Maybe those cues will help me. Mm. So you get a lot more collaboration. You get a lot more team effort rather than, yes, they're individual goals, but you get a lot more team involvement in that. So, um, so yeah, yeah. Measure what matters. It's, um, by, uh, it's over there somewhere. Um, I'll get it for you. We'll get it for you. If nothing else, I'll email it to you. Okay. Um, and you mentioned that you would, you post that like just like outside the locker room for everybody to see, or like, what's the setup? 
Well, for us, it usually was inside our bullpen. So okay. we have a, our indoor had a sectioned off kind of bullpen area and I would put it on the wall. They have since torn that down because we're rebuilding a brand new indoor facility. Um, so now I'm not exactly sure how I'm going to do that. I've, I've done it on Google Sheets where everybody uh, on the staff is, uh, is, uh, has access to the sheet. They don't, most of the girls don't really look at it, but it is something for me to reference whenever we're, we're uh, working in the bullpen. Um, so I, I'm not totally sure. We're doing most of our bullpen work um, outside and uh chain link fences aren't great for that so we'll see i'll figure out a way um i'm slowly learning how 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 life works without a without an indoor facility to ourselves <laughs> that's awesome i i got a question why um you know you you seem you know i've, I've talked to a lot of baseball and softball coaches and um you know you seem like you've, you've done a lot of research you've you spent a lot of time um, you know, learning your craft and, and just, you just seem like someone who has a growth mindset in general. Why, why did you, uh, why do you love softball? And then uh, more than, not want to say more, but why'd you pick softball over baseball? Because you see, I just listening to you talk, it reminds me a lot of the pitching coaches that I, I talk to in, in major league baseball. And so I mm -hmm. guess I'm, you know, why, why'd you pick softball instead of going the the baseball route? Well, I, I think ultimately it was, um, you know, softball is where I reached the highest level as a player. I mean, that, that, that's probably it. But when I was younger, uh, I was introduced to uh, fast pitch by my dad. He, uh, he played, and that's where I hung out, you know, when I was a kid. And I played college baseball at a, you know, a D3. It wasn't great. Um, but in the meantime, I kind of I came from Wisconsin, so there, there just isn't a lot of summer ball. 20 games isn't enough really to – get better. So I wanted to play more. I started playing a lot of fast pitch to kind of supplement my work and, um, and then just grew to love it. You know, uh, um, you know, I ended up being better at it than, than I was at baseball and um, for whatever reason. Um, and so, and then I picked up pitching and I kind of noticed that, you know, pitching was behind in the space. I felt like, um, and so I wanted to make an impact and I felt like the softball pitching was going to be the best impact. Uh, I've coached hitting before. Um, I was a JUCO. My first college job was a JUCO hitting coach. My first lessons job uh, was a, was primarily a hitting coach learning how to do the pitching. Uh, and, but I think that ultimately I looked at it and I said, man, this is where I can make the biggest impact on our sport. And, so, yeah, and obviously, the, you know, a lot of the people that I listen to, um, learn from, read about our, our major league coaches because they have the time to really kind of dive into another level of, of stuff, whereas a lot of times, you know, um, especially in um, different college programs, we don't have a lot of support. So we're doing a lot of stuff on the side. And, you know, I'm lucky here we have incredible support uh, where I can able to, you know, where I'm able to dive into the biomechanics stuff, into the data, data analytics, that kind of stuff. Um, so I'm really blessed here and uh, we've got the facilities, we've got people across campus that are really helping us. So yeah, but uh, back to your original question, that's, that's kind of the path right there. Um, you know, I love, I love learning about baseball pitching and I got driveline certified and, um, I, I, I love digging into that. And there's a, there's a chance that down the road, once I get done with the, the PhD, um, process that I start diving 
into some throwing. I mean, my son loves baseball. He's five. Um, the fact that he hasn't been in the lab yet is only because I feel like it's a little weird to throw clusters <laughs> on a five-year-old, but I'm not, I'm not above it. I'm not above it. So, you know, at some point I'm, I'm going to get back into the baseball side of things just for him, if nothing else. When so. do you have time to, to work on your PhD when you're doing, you know, you have like basically 10 other jobs as a college coach? Yeah. So COVID, <laughs> COVID taught me a lot of things about how time management works and how everything goes. So, uh, you know, everything gets shut down, uh, including our daycare. So I've got two, I've got two young sons, uh, one's two, one's five. And without a daycare, my wife works from home. So she didn't, she didn't stop at all. She just kept going. And so now it's daddy daycare. And, but I I still had to recruit. I still had to go, you know, uh, try to write workouts for athletes that wanted them, that kind of stuff. So we still had a lot of things to do. And then on top of it, trying to learn. So, um, so I, I, I don't know what happened that clicked in, but it's all of a sudden it was like, I could figure out how to, how to change how I dealt with time and manage that better. And so, but you know, remember too, the biomechanics I'm learning about softball pitching. Like I researched softball pitching. So everything I'm doing there is helpful in my job, you know? And then as we, you know, we've been running uh, biomechanics camps all summer uh, getting girls in the lab, that kind of stuff. That also helps um, not only learn more about pitching and start to dive into some some unique variables that haven't been tested before. But then beyond that, it also helps you know um, develop interest in our program because kids that really want that and want to be coached and want to be led in a in a player development uh, direction, they're you know they crave that. So um, you know we've been able to bring a lot of kids in. I think. Um, we're starting to get the, the end, the participants high enough to start to really draw some conclusions now. So, um, as we start diving more into that, we're going to start finding more and more stuff and it's only going to get better as we go along. So, um, but in that, my relationships with other, all these other people have, have helped me also understand that, um, giving a job to somebody that knows how to do it much better, much faster is, um, (laughs) is the way to go. I, uh, I I tell you what I've been I've been learning Japanese for the last two years. I've been trying to learn Python, trying to learn how to do all this other stuff. And it's like when you really have to have someone speak Japanese, or you really have to have somebody that knows code, you just give it to them and go. I'll learn that. I there's a step process, and you know a lot of that probably would take off after the biomechanics stuff gets done. But the, why, the, why I mean, Japanese? Japanese so Japan is the only other place that does research on softball pitching and I remember um, Charles Poliquin talking about why he learned German and Russian so this is a French French Canadian right strength coach and he learned German and Russian so that he could read their texts on strength and conditioning because obviously they were at that time way ahead of where the U.S. was Um, and so I thought about that. I was like, man, I want to learn Japanese to find out what they're writing because that's going to open up a door to who knows what. And, you know, if I can leverage that someday to work in recruiting, I'm going to do that right now. I, I, I'm not good enough to speak anything, but I'm getting there. 
it is a tough language you know oh. learning characters oh. <laughs> it's another <laughs> world what uh you know i was out at a uh, driveline probably a a month ago and so i i saw how they go about doing their their pitching assessments um you know their their you know their lab everything that they they do i was out there for three days um how do you guys get how is your motion capture lab work is it markerless so no we um so well no it's not markerless so we have a um we have a cluster-based system so instead of putting the markers on the bony landmarks, we put a cluster in the middle of the segment. And that cluster, um, all, all of the clusters have different, it's, it's usually four, four markers per, and all of them have a different um, um, layout so that it knows that this is the left upper arm, this is the right upper arm. It knows that this is the forearm and all that stuff. But, in the process, you so you've seen driveline do their process. Obviously, they strip guys down to their underwear right. and do that. You can't do that with softball players; like that's right. not happening. Right. So the cluster system, this the cluster system actually helps us because we can. So so we had to invent a suit, and that suit slides over. Well, what I learned was you don't on a cluster based system. You don't have to have them perfectly placed. Right. What you have to do is make sure that it stays in one place and then and then you calibrate the body around that rather than saying, OK, it's on this bony landmark. So now we know exactly where that is in space. That helps us. And so we had to invent a suit. We had to invent a hand um, a hand cluster. Um, all of this is through is going through patent processing, too. But um, we had to invent this just out of just out of necessity so um we i i i have a professor here that he he was like you know i got a kid working on his master's um honors thesis and he wants to do 3d printed stuff so we three 3d printed a bunch of clusters to make it lighter and thinner and then we took um and then we're going to take that design and actually start making them out of, of, of aluminum because they break real easy uh We've learned that the hard way, um, but the, the the hand cluster we had to change it because in softball we we make contact with the with this side of our arm we'll make contact with the body, and so what it was I mean we broke four clusters before we realized that that was not going to work, so um, so the first thing he and I did was design a cluster that could fit on just this side of the hand, and the and have the system still pull it up so. Um, we were able to design that. Um, I mean, it's rudimentary at, at first, you know, but now we've kind of refined the process, but so it's a glove and it doesn't get on the palm so that, you know, a, a lot of girls, depending on their hand size, they don't have a gap, you know, baseball, you go to hold a baseball and you have this gap right here. Well, in softball, you don't have that. So a lot of girls are, have their, have their hand blocked. So you can't have anything on the palm. You have to have that, um, that change so out of necessity we've had to create a lot of things but the cluster system i think really helps us now you probably met uh kyle wasserberger uh he's one of the driveline um driveline uh biomechanists he was at auburn doing a lot of the research um, on softball so he and i talk all the time um, i'm constantly asking him about how to set up variables and how to create them in the 
motion monitor system and all that. So he's been a, they, they actually, the entire company has been a great resource because, you know, essentially what we're trying to do is create their, their model of research. Um, starting to compare slow throwers versus fast throwers instead of comparing it all to uh, a spectrum of velocity. So, yeah, we're getting there. We need a, Do we you need... think do you think that um in like 5 years the 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 softball world will be basically where baseball's at right now in terms of players because I mean when I was out there I mean they have you know tons of players just going in for for assessments just pitchers pitcher after pitcher mm-hmm. I mean do do you see that same thing taking off um in the softball world too and really becoming apparent because you're the only person I I be honest I've talked to that really in this in pitching for softball is like biomechanics, you know, has a motion capture lab that they're talking about right. this stuff. Do you, do you think that that's the way softball pitching is going to go in the next three to five years? I, uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, right now, right now we're, we're kind of treading in, you know, uncharted territory right now. So how long it's going to take um, for, other i mean you know driveline pops up but then you also have a bunch of other people doing the same thing and you know now major league baseball is doing it a lot um it'll i think it might be longer than that just because it takes time and the the equipment is expensive you know so for uh, the average facility to put in a motion capture system it's expensive. Um, there's, there's one other group in Chicago called S2 Breakthrough and they're doing a lot of this stuff. Um, and they have a biomechanist on, on staff and, and, you know, so they're getting a bunch of data, but they don't have a motion capture system. If I could give them one, I would, because then we would be able to start doubling up our data. Um, but right now I I still think we're, we're, we're in the beginning processes. So, I would say more five to 10 years, maybe you start seeing stuff like this, but we got to get more people to buy into it too. Right. Um, you know, I mean, there's still major league baseball teams that drag their feet on this stuff. And I mean, for, for people like you and I who see the value um, of, of what's going on, you know, we like it, but you know, even still there's, there's still people that are, are waiting. And I think that that'll, you know, we've got to go through that process too. So I think I think players will help drive that change too and I think mm-hmm. you know because just you know I work with softball players now and you know they, they want the information they they're getting you know players are smarter now than they've ever been they're only going to continue to get smarter with the amount of information out there in social media so I think you know players going into programs and they'll start asking questions and if there's the answers that they're not really looking for from a development standpoint or you know understanding you know from an objective standpoint of why we're doing what we're doing um you know i think that's going to be just more benefit to someone like yourself and mississippi state where you guys Mm -hmm. are doing that kind of stuff um have you i I saw recently that because i've done this in baseball like tpi on base you i've seen dr greg rose's um and those guys out there are now starting to do fast pitch softball um have you seen that and if have have you done any research on that so their their first pitching um, they they've they've got their pitching uh, screen out now. Um, I believe the first time that they presented it was uh, this summer in San Diego, or 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 maybe it's maybe it's about to happen. I can't remember, but um, you know I've 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 gotten to speak with Don Slot and uh, 
Dr. Rose, and and I think they're in the right space. They're they're again they're they're trying to use motion capture to find what um, what all this you know. And we we movement screen our athletes. Um, it's a bit of a hybrid from with you know some of the on base use screens with uh, a few of the elite baseball screens that make make a lot of sense. Um, but I, I think that um, I think that you know I I I, I think that I will. Uh, try to get certified uh, when I get the free time. Uh, but that's, I think I'm interested to see it myself. I, I think that they've got a pretty good idea of what's going on. Um, I wish I had the money and time to go through all of it. TPI, on base U, pitching, on base U, hitting, on base U, softball pitching, just to see the subtle differences. Yeah. Um, you know, and I've got a few other friends that that we kind of talk about different screens and stuff like that, that are really big into PRI and SFMA, that kind of stuff. So it's, uh, I don't know that I, I know that on base U has gotten pretty close in, in a lot of things. So I'm interested to see what the pitching one looks like um, and then, you know, go from there. But yeah, of course, uh, you know, it's one of those things when it comes to new stuff like that, I'm always like one to learn. I always want to yeah. go, Yeah, you know, I'm hoping within the next 12 month, 12 months or so, I'm, I'm going to try and, and do the fast pitch um, certification at some point I've done, you know, doctor, when I was with the Orioles, Dr. Rose and on base, you came down and, and spent a couple of days with us and kind of talking through everything. Mm-hmm. I just, I love the, I love just a, just talking to the, to, to Dr. Rose, cause he's such a smart guy, but just the amount of information that in the players that they've tested, I mean, I know they've been testing, fast pitch softball players for a long time in their lab out in, um, out in California. So I think I, I am going to try and do that, but um, I, you know, one of the things that I, I wanted to, to specifically ask you, cause I, we're going to have a lot of players listening to this, a lot of softball players, a lot of parents, other coaches, and, you know, you've, you know, a lot more about the, the data just because you've been doing it longer than I have on the softball pitching side. I mean, what are some, some things that softball pitchers based on the data that you've seen, or maybe have collected, what should they be focusing on um, in high school right now? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I know you just brought it up, but I think the lowest hanging fruit every single time we do one of these biomechanics camps, the lowest hanging fruit is always a movement screen. It's always in there. And I think that, um, you know, being able to understand how you move, it doesn't mean you have to change everything, but it also, it means so much if you're trying to do X movement and your body won't let you, then you have to fix either the movement or or you have to fix your mobility or whatever it is, or not try to do that movement. You know, and I think that, I I think that that to me, um, I think my first camp, I didn't do the, 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 the the movement screen. And I said, absolutely not going to do that anymore. I'm going to, I'm going to do that because it's just such valuable information. And you got, you, you know, you're right away, you've got things you can fix and, or help mitigate. And to me, that's, that's where injury prevention comes from and all that. I also think that um, in high school, learning how to move properly in the weight room is huge. My advice to every, every high school kid, I don't care if it's baseball or softball is if you're with a strength coach, just make sure that they're movement based, not just going for overall numbers, because Mm -hmm. when you're, 
number one, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm sorry, but there's no real good measurement outside of the, maybe the Proteus um, for rotational strength. And because of that, your squat isn't, isn't going to correlate with um, bat velocity or, or pitch velocity. You're, your deadlift isn't, your bench press isn't. So you get people that are chasing those numbers, you're in the wrong spot because those don't really translate to our sport. That doesn't mean you don't do them. It just doesn't mean they, it just means they don't translate. So talking about and understanding how to move properly to me is the low, is, is the easiest way to get better faster. And then the next part is if we're talking about softball pitchers, um, Almost always when we throw kids on the rap soda, um, people don't understand the value of movement difference. So let's say you're a drop ball pitcher and that's great. You know, your, your drop ball drops five to eight inches somewhere in there. Um, you know, you get it up to 10. Okay, great. What's everything else doing? Um, you know, you get a lot of coaches that, that, that sit on a pitch all summer long. And so the, the development of the secondary pitch isn't there. And if you, all you do is play, you're never going to get better. And so many kids come down and their movement profile literally has a dot right in the middle of the screen. And it's like, okay, they've sacrificed movement for velocity or movement for um, location. And it's, and it, and it blows my mind. It, all of that can be worked on at the same time. I, I just truly honestly believe you can do all of it and get better. And, but you got to be able to identify those things right away to help you out. You know, we have kids come to camp and I mean, um, you know, we had a kid come to this, to our last camp who mowed everybody down, but her, her movement, I mean, she had less than three inches of movement, vertical or horizontal. And it's like, that's just, that's not going to work in the SEC. It's just not going to work here. And so um, not to say that, you know, I understand as a pitching coach, I'm going to have to add value. I'm going to have to make that better. But if you're starting with a, a 14, 15 inch spread, that's way better than starting with a five inch spread between your pitches. And now we've got to really stretch those out. You spend two years just learning pitches and how to command them in a, in a game, you know, so to me, I think you, you focus on the movement, make sure you can do that. The movement, you know, getting more efficient as a mover will help your velocity, regardless of your mechanics. And then, you know, obviously, you know, throw the ball hard, you know, stop throwing 150 pitches in a, in a bullpen session, start throwing, you know, 75 as hard as you can and with intent and, and doing all that. And I, I think you get a lot better faster. What's your take on, on weighted balls for softball pitchers? Uh, love them. I, I, I have a, a saying in the bullpen uh, where I say variability is a good thing. Variability is good. And when I grew up, it was all, see if you can repeat the same motion over and over and over. Can you repeat it? Can you repeat it? And I, I, I've since learned that, that that not only leads to injury, it also leads to uh, frustration and a lot of times delayed learning. It takes forever to learn whenever you're just trying to do the same thing over, over, over again. So variability is good. So that means weighted balls are good. So, um, you know, we're in an arm wrapping phase right now, but we'll go into weighted balls next week. Um, 
we'll, we'll we throw plyo balls we we throw all kinds of stuff just you know some of it with with full-on intent some of it not but um just trying to figure things out and i think that that goes with not just not just velocity but learning pitches and being able to manipulate the ball with different weighted balls that, that to me is super important so um we put them all over i mean i'm not talking about a three pound ball at at a 100 percent velocity with a full pitch i'm talking about yeah we throw the big black driveline ball you know for a very controlled simple movement as as we get lighter we get more dynamic and um uh, you know i i just i don't know how you i don't know how people don't do that you know and i'm a big i'm a b- big believer in the ecological approach um so i'm a big believer in differential training um which of course throwing different weights is part of that so yeah i it, it makes sense why you would do that maybe in softball because it's underhand and in baseball it's overhand that people don't buy into the the weighted balls to help increase velocity and and help arm strength and and things like that and just overall health i'm not really sure but um, i am kind of surprised that more people haven't bought into that on the softball pitching side Mm. yeah sometimes it just takes a little while for people to figure (laughs) it out um you know we, we just got done talking about you know the you know some of the things that you know high school pitchers out there and this is i'm speaking specifically to to all the high school pitchers out there right now that you know, josh is talking about you know first thing is you know how important it is to to get a movement screen and um you know and just know yourself from a moving st- standpoint and josh would you say that finding somebody who maybe has a maybe not necessarily a, a background in softball but maybe just, you know, on base, you certified or TPI or something to do this movement screen, or do you think just the average strength coach knows enough to be able to help them with that? I, I just, I know there aren't a lot of strength coaches um, that work in the private sector and a lot of softball pitching coaches that work in the private sector that do that. Um, I, you know, so I know it's hard to find. I don't think necessarily you need the uh, the movement screen from a softball person okay. or even a strength coach. I think if you find somebody that, that, that knows what they're doing and knows what they're looking for, that can be helpful. And it doesn't have to be, I mean, if it's your, you know, if it's a baseball coach or, um, you know, I, a golf coach, uh, you know, golf people that can take them through a TPI screen, like those things, because they come with your corrective exercises. And that to me is super important. So I would, I would just do that. I think that, um, you know, when you find immobility, it could be a, a bunch of different things. It might be a coordination issue. Um, my favorite explanation of it uh, is Nick Winkleman, um, who, have you have you read his book yet? Yeah, he uh he came on like he did some stuff with us when I was with the Orioles. So we did a bunch of Zoom yeah. calls with him, and he was awesome. He was awesome. Love that dude, and I like the way he describes it. Sometimes it's a car problem, sometimes it's a driver problem, and you got to figure out which one is which. If it's a car problem, then you're probably talking about I got to do some mobility issues, that kind of stuff. If it's a driver problem. Well, then it may be a coordination issue and you just got to figure out which one is which. But here's what I know. Uh, until you fix the car problem, the driver is not going to not going to get any better. 
Right. And, right. you know, so you at least start there and, and go from there. And, you know, like I said, with strength coaches, it's like, I used to be the person that didn't, that, that thought about numbers. And I, I look and I look and I watch and I go, man, that kid produces a ton of power, but is not very strong. How do they do that? And it's because they, you know, they, they understand and how to move better than they understand how to move weight. And yeah. So, uh, you know, it's, it's cool to post a, you know, a squat PR and I, I get it, but uh, if that's all you're chasing, I think you're in the wrong place. So I would say if you can get a strength coach that has that, go for it. Absolutely go for it. And don't worry about weight. That'll all come. Um, but worry about how you're moving and being more efficient. And I think that, I think that's just easy, low hanging fruit. Josh, what, what are some velocity numbers that you typically see um, for, for some of your pitchers that are coming in as freshmen? So depending on, and, and we're talking about pitching um, okay. depending on the, the, the kid, right? So, in our 22 class, we specifically wanted kids with high spin rate that move the ball. We just, we were losing a couple of kids that did that well. So we needed to replace them. Um, their velocity um, came in and it's, it's like, you know, 60 to 62, but you know, we're talking about on the Rap Soto 1500 spin rates in the right direction. They have 14 inch spreads on their pitches, right? When they come here. So and, you know, they asked me, well, what are we going to do when we get there? And I said, I'm going to sprinkle the velocity dust on you and you're going to be great. <laughs> you know, um, you know, I've got other kids um, that walk in throwing upper 60s. Next year, we've got a kid that, you know, she's on a rap soto at 70 miles an hour. Um, now, she doesn't command it well. So, yes, where we're starting. Um, but at the same time, that's I think it's typical that you're going to see either movement kids and kind of you can classify them however you want, but a movement kid that's going to be between 60 and 64. And then you'll have high velocity kids. They'll be upper sixties. And obviously we're in the recruiting process to try and get both. Yeah. So, you know, are there, are there any cues that you hear on the pitching side that just kind of make you cringe every time you hear them? Like they don't, ever really help but yet you hear them time and time again from travel ball coaches high school coaches um even like at the youth level right i i would say that 90 percent of the cues that i hear i i just i just you know you just have to especially when you you know i'm out recruiting i can't help but listen um you know and the the first of all the internal cueing is just a rampant disease in our sport. Like everybody, you know, twist your elbow, do this. It's like, oh, please don't. But, but that's also, but it goes back to, you know, I, so two years ago we get done with exit meetings and two of my players said, you know, look coach, we know you like to do your, your ecological approach, which means you don't talk that much. A lot of it's implicit learn learning stuff, but, we need you to talk to us. We want you to talk to us. And that's why I read Nick Winkleman's book so that I could get better at, at, at understanding the language that I needed to use with players. And so, you know, when I hear internal cues, I just, 
that's a big, you know, big turnoff. That's a swipe left or right or whatever that is. But then, um, but then, you know, I think that just the non-specific cues that don't mean anything. And we're all, we're all creatures of, we're all creatures of habit and feedback. So, you know, it'll be dad or coach who are, um, you know, will say something like twinkle your toes and the kid will throw one good pitch in a, in a lesson or a bullpen session. And now dad can't stop saying that. (laughs) At this point, nobody knows what it means, including the kid. And it's like, okay, well that that's an ineffective cue. Right. But then you hear it over, over, over again. And it's like, man, that's not, that's not it. You know? And so, so I would say internal cues just in general, which is about 90% of what I hear um, are just stop. Just think there's a way you can create an external cue out of any internal cue. And you just got to be creative. And then I love metaphors. You just don't hear metaphors. Metaphors are a great way to learn, um, but you just don't hear them. And, um, you know, like I said, I, I keep pushing it, but man, it's just, it, the, the book was a, a life changer when it came to how to learn how to talk to kids. And it can, and it can be learned as a coach. I, I think that um, a lot of people are intimidated by like changing a language, but it can be learned. It's not, it's not that hard if you just try. I mean, I hope, I hope everybody who's either watching this or listening to this, you know, just tips their hat right to, to you, Josh, and, and really just, you know, for, for you, I mean, just listening to you tell that right there where, you know, you had, you really were in on the ecological approach and I'm sure you still are to some degree, but, you know, you had players who, um, you know, wanted you to start speaking up more. And the reason I bring this up for everyone who's listening or watching this is, you know, Josh didn't immediately just say, oh, I'm just going to start talking more. You know, he went and did research on, okay, what's the best way to go about talking to players and actually coaching and not just saying stuff just to say stuff. And I think that's, you know, that's awesome to hear. And I just, you know, want to, I just want to emphasize that because I hope that there's other coaches who are going to be listening to this um, or watching this on YouTube and they start doing the same thing and, and take, you know, take it that serious where, you know, you're not just doing stuff just to do stuff, but it's, it's backed by research. It's backed by people who like Nick Winkleman, who wrote the book, the language of coaching, who literally just studies how to go about, mm-hmm. you know, giving him, you know, where, what to say to players and analogies and cues and things like that. So I just wanted to commend you on that. I think that's fantastic. Um, my, my next question mm-hmm. I had for you, which I think, somewhat goes into what we're we've been talking about um you know i just think i think for me what i've seen is players learn best a lot of times through visuals like being able to visually show them at least maybe more so Mm -hmm. on the hitting side because that's more my background than the pitching um so do you use a lot of video when you're trying to show changes um to a player that you want them to make Mm -hmm. yeah because I think exactly what you're saying. You know, what we're trying to do, I think as coaches is try to reach kids at their level. Um, and I try to offer kinesthetic, verbal and visual cues to everything we do so that we, so that we understand, okay, you know, two of these things might not work, but that video might've kicked it in. Um, especially learning pitches. We use video constantly um, because 
you know, seeing what happens when you're trying to manipulate a ball. I mean, at 40 miles an hour, when your hand's moving through the, through the, the end of the pitch, you're trying to manipulate a ball. That's going to be hard for a coach to even definitely no words are going to work. Right. Mm -hmm. And sometimes a kinesthetic cue can work, but that, you know, it's got to be video based. And um, so, so we do utilize that a lot. I think in the mechanic side, we don't as much. And the reason why is I don't want kids to think that one movement is effective in changing an entire pitch. Right. So I try to develop drills that kind of force or implicitly teach a certain movement and that, that I'm trying to get them to create. And I give them specific, maybe a, a goal, like, okay, if we're trying to learn how to sequence our, our kinetic chain better, then I'm going to get you to think about the first part of that chain, right? The beginning of that chain. And I'm going to give you a cue, um, external, of course, right? External cue. Uh, but that leads to that goal, right? And then develop a bunch of drills that kind of work in that, in that, in that way so that if the, you know, the goal is always the same and they, you know, their movement solution is going to look different than their, their teammates, but that doesn't matter. You're just trying to get them a little bit better each time and get them to find their own way of doing something. Um, you know, I had, I had kids, uh, our best pitcher at the end of last year was uh, Annie Willis and, and, she's not like she'll 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 even say she's not super athlete um she's 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 athletic for a kid that um was a lifelong pitcher right but she was you know we constantly had her doing drills to work on kinetic chain and when she got here she was 62 63 she left around 70 and um and was able to manipulate pitches and all that stuff but i I do the drills that way so that they don't have to think about it and they can still work at top velocity while they do it. Cause what I find is, is a lot of people do sub maximal training and then that never translates to the next thing. And so we, not only do we want them to do everything at high velocity, but then we on, on top of it, we want them to spin their pitch while they do it. So change the pitch every time um, and keep it as variable as possible well, trying to focus on a thing. And I mean, I'm notorious for starting to tell stories about my kids in the middle of a bullpen session, just to throw the vibe off, just so that they stop. So they have to concentrate more. My kids think it's hilarious, but, um, and, and the people that know, the people that know what I'm doing, it takes them, everybody that's in the bullpen, they don't realize what I'm doing until they do. And then they're like, you know, I was focused and then I lost. But that's part of the point. You know, the game is going to be all over the place. You're never going to be that locked in. And if you are, you're probably missing something. You know, baseball and softball isn't about like this tunnel vision like Tiger Woods can get. Um, you're talking about things are happening around you. Even as a pitcher, you know, I get that you control most of the game, but you have to be aware of what's going on. So you can't be so locked in that you forget to cover home plate you know, on a, on a pass ball, or you forget to do this and that it, it can't be that way. So, um, so in the process of trying to develop all of this, right, all of this, there's gotta be a video component. Yes. 
right? I like to pick my spots. I like to pick my spots for the implicit learning. I don't think that you can do a lot of pitch training. You can, but you can't uh, on implicit, you know, learning implicitly. And I think that, you know, when it comes down to it, uh, we watch a lot of game film to really help to understand, like, what are we trying to do here? You know, what is the main goal of, of what we're trying to accomplish? And let's use our game video to understand that. So, um, and shoot, we, we do, I mean, I do video on my pictures to make sure that nobody can pick the pitch from the side. I mean, we, we use all that and, and we'll sit there and watch it together. And when we see something, we're like, yep, that's it. Let's go after it. So, yeah. And I mean, I'm also a big believer in, in having the kids drive their own training. So um, I want to show them video so that they can say, hey, I noticed this. I mean, I'm not perfect. I don't catch every single thing. So having, you know, eight to 10 eyes on everything we do helps, helps me help them because they help themselves. Love that. I think that's very, very well thought out. And, um, you know, I'm not, not surprised, you know, being how much, you know, how careful you've been and how tactical you've been and, and how you go about using video with your players. What do you, what's your take on player plans? Like, dude, when, when your players show up every day, is there a plan that they have in place for them that they know exactly what they need to do? Or is it more so like just kind of a, you provide a framework and within that there's some variability and it, there's more, there's options for them. Right. So, um, so each one of them has a, we, we kind of have like the same skeleton, right? So it'll be, okay, we're going to drive, well, uh, correctives activation that kind of stuff the bands all that it i mean the warm-up looks like this big block but it really is only like 10 minutes of, of work and then when we get to um and we can do a lot more bullpens than baseball pitchers so we have a huge advantage in that but um so once we get to so we've got you know a lot of things that are the same when it comes to the bullpen, it's like, okay, now we have our individual thing. So we start off individual with the correctives. We end individual with the bullpen session. Um, obviously the activation can be the same. Uh, for the most part, we're trying to activate the same things anyway. So it doesn't matter. And then the cool down is the same. Um, and I also allow for like variability within those, you know, so I'm not the one harping. You got to do it this way. That's not the case. You know, a lot of time we do a med ball throw every day um, as part of our priming, you know, to get the muscles firing and all that. And my only cue is ever just throw it as far as you can or throw it as hard as you can. That's it. Um, you know, jumps, we do the same thing with jumping. But I think at the end of the day, um, the bullpen, the part where they're actually doing their work has to be individualized. Now, for each of them, that'll look a lot the same, you know, they're pitching in the lane, they're throwing into a rap set and all that stuff, but what we throw and where we throw it, there's obviously variable, right. To, and, and, and specific to the kid. So, you know, as we're developing that stuff, a lot of it, you know, again, going back to those goals, going back to those process goals, um, you know, we sit there and go, okay, you're working on command. So let's fire up, you know, um, whether it be targets or whatever we're going to do, let's focus on that and, um, and make that part of what we're doing. Love that. Um, Josh, this has been a, a ton of fun. 
Um, but before we we wrap everything up here, I you know I I do want to add you know you you do have a book out, Ten to Grow, right? We'll put the mm-hmm. link in the show notes page, and for everybody again who's listening to this, watching this, I mean, you know you're listening and watching to you know probably one of if not the most progressive pitching mind in all of softball and you know i think that you know if you can if you can continue to learn and some of the things that you know he's spent years and years researching and you know putting time in um and honestly just helping the game grow um you know do that i would highly recommend it um again it's called tend to grow we'll put the link in the show notes um but josh appreciate your time appreciate you just you know pushing the game in 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 the right direction um you know and i'm sure as as time goes on and you know maybe maybe after i i get with this uh certification with uh you know uh, fast pitch on base you we can do another podcast and uh you know talk some more shop but um appreciate you coming mm-hmm. on man it's been a lot a lot of fun carlton salters actually recommended you so i was looking for someone to do some pitching stuff with for softball and he's like oh he messaged me he's like oh you got to get josh josh johnson on the show like he's he's an awesome guy he's willing to share and collaborate and grow and um he was 100 correct just based off of you know our, our our episode today so appreciate you know him for recommending you and for you uh, coming on the show and, and just sharing everything that you have well thank you that's uh those are uh that's strong praise there and i appreciate it and yeah uh, we do another round. We should get Carlton in on here because right. the, the two right. of us, the two of us rap. And it's, I mean, I, I find that just because he's, you know, works in hitting doesn't mean he doesn't think about pitching. And just because I, I'm a pitching coach, it doesn't mean I don't think about hitting. And the two of us, uh, when we get going, um, it's usually, uh, it's usually pretty good banter. So uh, we, we could, we could all get together and talk about uh, you know, to me, um, the screening process, especially once you get through that, uh, be interesting to see, okay, let's, let's see what this is. Let's see what we like, you know. Well, um, and to see also, get, cause I mean, you deal with a lot more pitchers than, than I do. So maybe it's, you know, you'd see like, well, this would, this would work. I think this is something that, you know, we could maybe take, I don't know about this or just trial, trial and error. And I think that's how you just, you grow as a coach and, and help more players. That's right. That's right. That's exactly it. And, uh, you know, I mean, those conversations are, are a lot of, of, of how uh, my personal development has come from, you know, even in conversation with people who just challenge your ideas, it just like, it, you know, my five-year-old, why? Well, you know, but if you can explain it a why to a five-year-old, you can probably do it to just about anybody. Um, you know, and so that, that to me, those are, those are exercises I think in, and and becoming better at what you do is just to constantly 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 try to explain what you're trying to do um you know and that just makes you better so yeah we've had a we've had some good banter and i i really appreciate you having me on this has been a lot of fun i appreciate you